Welcome everyone to episode number 11. On today's episode, let's talk about three popular diets uh, right now that have actually been quite popular for a while now. And we'll talk about keto, carnivore, and intermittent fasting. Um, and what I'll do is um, kind of give my own personal experiences with them, uh, go over some of the pros and cons, and where this uh, type of protocol may be applicable for some individuals. So let's start off with keto. <laughs> so with keto, um, a lot it became pretty famous, I believe, around, um, well, away from the medical aspect, it was like we've thought, okay, yeah, keto means you are using fat as a fuel source, so it must be really good for body composition. And um, although, yes, you could probably burn some fat on keto, is it the best uh, protocol for burning fat? That is up for debate, uh, obviously, within proper context. So when you look at it from the medical aspect of things, though, it got a lot of traction for things like cancer, for example. Um, and one of them being is research has shown that, um, you know, glucose can feed into the proliferation of cancer cells or the growth of cancer cells. Um, so I, uh, realistically your best solution would be not to have carbohydrates that, you know, promote uh, glucose secretion. So that's where it caught a big name. And that is definitely something that I do think it is extremely viable for, um, once again, depending on the individual. So <laughs> some of the pros with running a keto diet is you can get a drastic reduction in inflammation. And so carbohydrates don't essentially cause inflammation unless you know you're eating very poor quality uh you know uh, highly processed sources ones full of contaminants or something but generally they do not cause inflammation but they can fuel inflammation and how they can do that is one mechanism is higher levels of insulin high levels of insulin can bring on cytokines which uh, pro-inflammatory cytokines, which uh, can create more inflammation, um, as well as carbohydrates, fiber and such can feed into existing overgrowth of bad bacteria within the gut, um, which in return will create more inflammation, more systemic inflammation. Um, so those are some of the big mechanisms as to as why carbohydrates can do that. Uh, carbohydrates can also blunt uh, things like autophagy, which is another big pro for keto uh, diets, uh, is they can stimulate uh, autophagy. And now what is autophagy? Autophagy is programmed cell death. We'll keep it really simple. Clearance of bad cells, toxins, inflammagens, um, to uh, bacteria, stuff like that. Uh, this is where like people can get that flushing effect when removing carbohydrates from their diet. Um, so it's a very good way to reduce inflammatory symptoms. Uh, you know, if you're experiencing things like sore knuckles, um, like rheumatoid arthritis symptoms, if you have autoimmune diseases, uh, keto diet can be a very good way to help manage those symptoms. Um, it also is very beneficial for cognitive performance. Uh, and that will be mainly due to a reduction in inflammation, um, and like stimulating, uh, like you got your vagus nerve. And that communicates, that's how the brain communicates to the organs kind of thing. Um, if you're, you know, highly inflamed, look at that as like rush hour traffic. Uh, there's, there's a struggle for the communication. 
and this is what can create like brain fog and such. So you can help kind of clear that up by following a keto diet. Uh, yeah, like the brain are going, the brain is going to use ketones as a fuel source, but uh, it has actually been proven that it's heavily relies on glucose, um, but it will increase cognitive performance. Um, so those are like probably the the most noticeable benefits that you will receive from following a keto diet. Um, also, like let's say your diet is primarily of carbs. So you're not getting like healthy fat sources, let's say. So when switching over to a keto, uh, keto diet, um, you begin to take in better fat sources in higher amounts. So now you have more substrate to build cell membranes, uh, to improve the cell fluidity and rigidity, uh, to increase neurocommunication, uh, build more, uh, you know, you can high levels of DHA to help build brain uh, uh, cells and everything. And so that's another aspect of where a keto diet can really improve upon cellular health is just the higher fat intake, um, of healthy fats, of course, you know, like oils and even butters and stuff. Like you look at things like they could provide butyrate, um, butyrate, so butyric acid for helping with gut microbiome and stuff. So there's quite a few things, like quite a few benefits that keto can provide. Um, and so I think it's a wonderful diet when used with a cyclical approach. Um, and the reason why I say cyclical is because, um, when you run keto for long periods of time, depend on the individual, most of us are under a high stress demand, whether that be because we are physically active within the gym or something outside the gym, or we're just under like high loads of stress, whether that be relationship work, whichever it may be. Um, your body is going to need to be able to meet that stress demand. And if it cannot do that via ketones, so especially this is where physical activity comes in, it's still going to have to rely on glucose. And so yes, you'll be using less insulin, but it doesn't mean that you can fully run off of ketones and not off of glucose. So if, especially if you're use like performing metabolically demanding workouts. So I've actually had like quite a few conversations with people who are using keto diets and they perform like spin classes and such and there's a high demand for glucose so if you don't have like if if the ketones cannot keep up with the rate of exertion you're going to need glucose which then your body is going to use more stressful processes to provide that glucose and this can actually work quite a bit against you long term <laughs> so you may have heard gluconeogenesis and when you read up about keto diets they will say to run low protein in order to prevent gluconeogenesis from occurring. But the reality is like whether you like it or not, gluconeogenesis is going to occur. If the body needs um, glucose, it's going to happen whether you like it or not, no matter how much protein you're eating. And so now my personal experience, I did keto for I'd say like three months at the very least. I might have done more. And I was pretty religious into it. I tracked very, um, like very hardcore. I checked my blood, not urine strips. Uh, and I got myself pretty deep in, into ketosis originally, like in the beginning. So deep that when I would have a carb refeed, I would pound back, like not the greatest of choices, but I would pound back a huge amount of carbohydrates. And within 24 hours or less, I was back into full ketosis. Um, so I followed it pretty religiously. But I also did high protein. I started with low protein, but then I did high protein and I stayed in ketosis no matter where my protein was. 
it was over time of performing uh, more metabolically demanding workouts. Like my knowledge just wasn't quite what it is today when I was doing this. So like I was performing these workouts and over time I was struggling. Like I started to come out of ketosis, although I was, I had been following a keto diet for quite some time without carb refeeds. Um, and then what also happened is I started to become like really watery and flat. So kind of like losing my definition, especially in my abdominal region. Um, I really lost my abdominals. And so you think, okay, well, if keto is supposed to be burning fat, why is this occurring? Why am I losing my abs? And that is because of the stress that it was placing on my body because of the metabolic style workouts plus the stress that I was under at that time. My The ketones, the keto diet just could not keep up with those demands. So my body had to work harder in order to keep up with that, which in return created a, like a lot of side effects and stuff. And not to mention, I also checked my blood and my triglycerides had come up, my LDL, low density lipoprotein had come up. So just my blood lipids. Uh, so that is something that you want to be cautious of as well, because you could have like a genetic trait as well, where a high fat diet could really, um, you know, cause your blood lipids to skew quite a bit. And so always get blood work, no matter what protocol you are following. I think it's heavily important to get blood work at least twice a year, uh, a little more difficult to obtain in Canada because doctors are pretty reluctant to giving out blood work. Um, you know, it costs, it costs money. Uh, we pay our taxes though, but unfortunately they're kind of reluctant to take, uh, to, you know, ask for certain tests and whatnot, but try your best to get blood work at least twice a year, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, but especially check your blood lipids if you're following a high fat diet. Um, so that is one of the things that you need to be careful of. If you're a really sedentary individual, like, and you don't really exercise and you're, you know, your stress load isn't too high, then keto could be perfect. Like a long-term keto could be fine. Uh, research has shown though, that, um, over time DNA damage can occur. Um, and also I, what I have found is lots of thyroid issues as well as high levels of sex hormone binding globulin. So what that means is people come back with low testosterone. Uh, because the body's, you're not freeing it. It's holding on to it. The, the SHGB, SHBD is holding on to it. Um, so those are some of the things to watch out for. And this is why using a cyclical approach can kind of mitigate those effects. So for example, like <laughs> following keto for X amount of times, you know, during the week or the month, and then bringing some carb days can help like the higher levels of insulin can help, um, release that, um, free testosterone into the system and and raise testosterone levels and uh, carbohydrates will also have a positive impact on the thyroid. Uh, you also obviously have to be careful about water loss and mineral loss because you're losing quite a bit by not having carbohydrates. Uh, so you definitely want like a great electrolyte mix. Um, body bioelectrolyte. Just look up body bioelectrolytes. That's a really good one. Uh, KTS Cineplex also has a really good one. These ones are good because the ratios are, are pretty close to what is going on with inside the cell. Um, I wouldn't really like, I mean, obviously you're, what are they called? NRC or something like they're They're better than nothing. Right. But I would recommend these other products, obviously. Um, but so that's something to watch out for as well. It's also important to note that when let's say your inflammation, like, as I mentioned, keto is used to really decrease inflammation. Let's say that inflammation is being caused from something like an overgrowth of bacteria. 
By performing keto, you're kind of just masking those symptoms because what happens is there is some validity to the starvation effect, meaning you starve off that bacteria because you're not feeding into it. But majority of it hibernates essentially within what are called biofilms. So this bacteria is hiding, but still kind of causing a low level of systemic effects, whether that be inflammation, cognitive function, hormone function, whatever that may be. And then let's say, okay, like, you know, I'm going out with some friends and have some drinks and some pizza or whatever. And you have that and you just feel like absolute garbage because one, you've just fed into that existing bacterial issue, as well as if you've gone for an extended period of time without eating certain foods, you're going to kind of lose the necessary means to, we'll say, utilize that food to the best of its ability. So like whether that be certain enzymes or certain bacteria used to digest that food. Um, also... I'm not sure, like this is up for debate, um, you know, like people's vegetable consumption on keto uh, can be less. Um, that'd be more about carnivore, which I'll get into, but there is some research, it kind of goes both ways. There's some research saying that like, you know, your microbiome is going to take a negative hit by not eating vegetables, which in my personal experience, that is something that I have seen quite a bit. Um, people have either symptoms or you can physically see it within a GI map that after not eating vegetables for long periods of time, they have a low normal commensal flora. So they kind of like feel good initially going into keto because there's some sort of uh, underlying inflammation. But then over time, they don't feel as good anymore. But because they got this initial reaction, whether that be like a big reduction in water, so they lost some good amount of weight on the scale, a reduction in glycogen and just overall feeling better, they become biased to the protocol, to the diet of keto, not really stepping back and going, okay, maybe this is keto that is causing my issues. Maybe, you know, this is no longer viable for me because remember your body adapts to everything. Um, and although we think that, okay, well, these supposed negative effects are coming from keto, it's actually just an adaptation aspect of your body trying to survive, right? So this is why I always recommend cyclical approaches. So it could look like, you know, two days of keto of the week, five days of carbs or two, two, like two and two. So two days of carbs, two days of keto, whatever you're doing. Um, I highly recommend not performing keto uh, if you are exercising frequently. Um, but if you're doing like, let's say three times a week and it's like total powerlifting style, like one to three reps max, you're taking five minute rest periods at minimum. That's not a very glycolytically demanding workout. So then you could probably use keto during these instances um, because there's not going to be a ton of demand. Uh, but I do recommend running higher protein because there still is going to be a protein demand with performing these exercises. So um, that is the kind of exercise I would perform, not like high intensity cardio, not spin classes, not supersets, drop sets, you know, high reps. None of that kind of stuff. I'd be low reps, long rest periods, very low demand for glucose. But what you could also do is you could in be ingesting uh, some form of glucose, you know, like highly branched cyclic dextrin during the workout um, to kind of benefit the recovery process there. If you are kind of, you know, leaning towards the more uh, metabolic, glycolically demanding side of a workout. Uh, but I still don't recommend doing that period on keto. Um, and it's not like you'd want to be doing that all the time, which is another reason why I think a cyclical approach of keto would be good. Um, there is talk where it can preserve muscle mass because instead of having to use amino acids, you're not running on ketones. But as mentioned, if the demand is high, the body will break down amino acids to provide glucose. There is, there's no way around that. Um, 
you know, maybe sure with a, an immense amount of supplements or something, but <laughs> realistically, you're just fighting a losing battle if you think you're going to avoid gluconeogenesis. Um, but all in all, I think keto is a great diet. Um, I think it has lots of merit. I think it's very valuable under specific contexts, especially when we're talking things like cancer, because we can reduce the um, chances of feeding into the cancer by using keto. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, you like, what's the root cause of the cancer? Like there's various things out there, but essentially looking at the physiology, is, is there an overgrowth that's occurring? Is there an immune response? Is there a high toxic load? You know, is there a poor intake of nutrients or whatever? You still want to look at that. You don't want to just go keto and be like, okay, all is well, right? But there has been tons of instances where, yeah, keto is like, you know, people have got rid of cancer, right? You can do the research and you can see that it's there and many people will testify to that. And, you know, so yeah, keto can be a really wonderful diet for many things. Um, I just don't think it's a very good fat loss diet um, because once your body starts making those ketones, that's what's running off of it doesn't need to use the stored fat because it's running off the ketones um so once again a calorie deficit still applies here um now when running keto you might use less calories because there's going to be you're going to have less of a metabolic demand while on keto so let's say you know you input some numbers on some sort of program and it says i need you know 1750 calories to lose weight if you're following a keto diet i would maybe go down to 1500 right um but once again to watch your blood lipids watch your digestion make sure your stool isn't floating or oily that means you're struggling with fats um just like bloating and heartburn you might not be able to handle the fat so as always seek professional advice um because yeah you can mess things up and i've seen it like i've had lots of people come to me looking for help and i've worked with clients who were big keto advocates um, you know, when they started thyroid issues, their hair started to thin, they're cold all the time. They just were not losing fat. Their sleep took a big hit, very like poor, uh, stress management, very emotional. So, uh, just seek professional help. Um, because yeah, although it can be, you know, too much of a good thing, although it can be a very good diet to follow long-term, I just don't think it's, it's very optimal for anyone really, unless you are extremely sedentary, like your grandmother who bakes cookies and reads the paper and watches the news then you can maybe get away with it long-term kind of thing, right? Um, but even then, I would still provide grandmother carb refeeds. <laughs> and so that was like my experience with Alan and I when we were working with cancer, prostate cancer. We used the cyclical approach of keto because he did love to dance. He would go to dance classes, um, other types of classes, and he would train. So we would run keto only a couple times during the week and then use carb refeeds um, to just make sure metabolism stayed up, but as well as we didn't create too much inflammation and mess with blood lipids and things like that, uh, which he did very well on. So, so that brings me into carnivore now. So carnivore kind of has the same mechanisms as keto. I mean, you're like the true carnivore is going, um, no carbohydrate or low carbohydrate. Um, I myself haven't, fully dabbled in carnivore i've done it for a short period um it's just like there are a few reasons as to his why one ins um but there is once again just like keto there is some validity to it um if you're being like true carnivore uh and like you're ingesting organ meats for example yeah organ meats can be very high in in, in vitamins and nutrients that require that are required for like healthy physiological functions so yeah it can be very beneficial um do I believe in not eating vegetables long-term, like as a lifestyle? No. 
I don't agree with that. Um, you know, you got Sean Baker, who is really hardcore. And I mean, he looks great. Once again, though, if you've seen his labs, he's got low testosterone, which you go, okay, well, you know, uh, but this guy's huge and jacked. It could be genetics. It could be adrenaline effects. So there's, there's some things to it. Um, also, like you can read how if you're not eating vegetables, like um, you're not really getting, we'll say pre or probiotics or a decent amount of pre or probiotics. Now you could be doing dairy though. Cause I believe dairy, um, is part of a carnivore diet. Uh, cr someone could correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe dairy is a part of that. So yeah, you could definitely be getting some probiotics and prebiotics there. Um, I read recently that there's like no evidence that not having vegetables messes up the normal commensal flora. Once again, I kind of disagree because I've seen it in practice, um, but there could have been genetics at play and whatnot. So there are all those factors to take into account, especially when reading research. Um, you know, it's, it's not just as simple as reading it. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've had to take courses myself and still times like I have to seek out mentorship and whatnot when reading uh, certain studies stuff to fully understand and see what's applicable and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it can be a very viable solution for you look at uh, meat sources are very high in things like choline and creatine, which are really great for uh, cellular function and brain function. And this is where you can see like autoimmune diseases. Um, I do believe carnivore got a big name because of autoimmune diseases. Once again, too, it is the act of lessening the carbohydrates and not feeding into inflammation and calming down that immune system. Um, so yeah, like an auto, if you have an autoimmune disease, carnivore could be probably be pretty beneficial for you. Once again, though, I would look at cycling um, because no carbs again or low carbs, metabolic workouts and such. If you're into that, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. Once again, I'll bring up Sean Baker. Um, there's also Paul Saladino, who a lot of people look at him as kind of a crazy guy. Uh, and I'm not sure how to feel about him personally, but uh, he uh, was a big carnivore advocate, but then he kind of stepped back and it was like, okay, carbs are not the devil. And now incorporates fruit and honey. So like a hybrid, which I think is a great idea. Um, because like, yeah, vegetables can definitely feed into existing issues. Um, they could feed into existing issues because of things like, you know, glyphosate, so pesticides and such. Um, I do believe lectins can cause issues. Um, they're, you know, they're a plant's defense mechanism, which can disrupt neural communication within the cells and the brain causing issues and creating inflammation. Um, so there's that. Um, so yeah, like avoiding vegetables could possibly benefit somebody on that aspect. Um, does that mean vegetables are entirely the problem? No, um, you could take care of an overgrowth or a low commensal flora. So you lack the ability to digest them properly. You improve upon that, then vegetables, the nutrients from there could benefit you and like the fiber and such. Um, once again, too, there's a lot of research on, you know, that the benefits that fiber provides for preventing colon cancer. It's, it's part of your phase three detoxification. It's how you get out bacteria, uh, estrogens, uh, toxins, inflammagens uh, is fiber. And so when you do a carnivore diet, it's not going to be that high in fiber. So you, you might need to supplement or once again, a cyclical approach and maybe bring in vegetables or high fiber foods from time to time, because meat sources don't provide really any good source of fiber. Um, but there's not really a lot of people who have done it for very extended periods of time to truly see how it could affect you. But as mentioned, the body is always adapting. So that's why I think a cyclical approach is good. 
Um, but where, yeah, it could be very viable as things like autoimmune disease, cancer, stuff like that. You can read a lot to do with carnivore diet and reversing cancer or managing autoimmune diseases uh, very well. Especially when you talk about like systemic autoimmune diseases, like multiple cirrhosis, for example, which is a degradation of the myelin sheath, which is a protective barrier around the neurons. Um, and so this could actually help rebuild it because you're going to be ingesting higher amounts of foods that contain the substrate for building that as well as calming down the immune system so it's not really attacking the myelin sheath as much kind of thing per se um so <clears throat> that is where yeah carnivore could be super beneficial there um plus i personally think meat is tasty now there's a lot of um you know you got vegans and vegetarians who may disagree with that and that's fine um but i think meat is good um you know i personally uh struggle with the thought of even eating liver i picked up a really big cow liver one time for my girls my dogs and um i was cutting it up and i cut into like a blood pocket <laughs> i just i couldn't eat meat for like a week every time i ate beef or anything like i'd almost throw up so i had to step away from meat for like a week um but would i love to eat liver at least an ounce a day because that's what's been like 0.5 to one ounce a day has been shown to provide like quite a bit of nutrients uh not to mention you got eggs in there as well in a carnivore diet um so yeah you can get lots of benefits via certain nutrients like meat's very high in uh, b vitamins which are crucial for methylation so preventing diseases you know detoxification producing neurotransmitters um very important for that uh, as mentioned creatine as well creatine is heavily heavily studied um and higher levels of creatine will improve cognitive performance will decrease the load on methylation and spare nutrients improve memory uh, things like that, a tension span. So yeah, like carnivore diet can greatly benefit your cognitive performance as well as your overall health and well-being due to improved methylation. Um, where you can maybe run into some problems would be the same issues as keto with running low carbohydrates as mentioned. Um, but also if you kind of struggle to digest meat, um, like so prior to like hopping and filming this podcast, I received a text from a client where she's like, the increased protein is killing me. She can't handle beef at all. And now is beef the problem? genetically maybe there might be something there but there are other symptoms that are kind of possibly indicating that it's probably a pancreatic function that could be resulting in this damaged mucosa integrity low commensal flora things like that uh, which could be causing these issues so it's always not entirely to blame the meat like you know you we read there excuse me read there for a while that meat causes cancer but if you look at the research there's just a significant amount of variables um, and was it really meat that was causing the cancer? Most likely not, not saying meat oh, won't cause cancer. Um, this is where you want to look at things like if, if you're not going organic grass fed plus grass finished, cause a lot of guys will do grass fed, but then grain finish, um, you're going to get like toxins are stored in fats. So if you're not buying organic grass fed, grass finished and so on then you want to look at getting the leaner cuts of meats because then there's less chance of getting a high abundance of toxins in your diet. Um, but once again, too, like if you're just supporting things properly, you should be able to flush those toxins. But the goal is to decrease that toxic burden. So I would say leaner meats, uh, but don't be afraid to, I mean, because like a ribeye is absolutely delicious, but it's high in fat. But don't be afraid to dabble in that every once in a while. Um, but if you're doing steak, like a top sirloin, for example, um, you know, just leaner cuts of meat. This is why fish can be really good, less toxins. Um, so yeah, do I think carnivore is a great diet? It can be for sure. Once again, within context, 
You can use it autoimmune disease, cancer. Once again, I do not believe it's a good fat burning diet. Uh, once you've established a physique though, like if you've established a certain body fat percentage, then I think these diets will be good for maintaining that physique. Cause as mentioned, you're not feeding into uh, potential issues. Um, also these diets can really promote, um, like a satiating effect because you're not getting these blood sugar swings, um, which can really promote hunger. Um, now if you're dealing with a certain condition though, like myself personally, I tend to get a poor sleep on, cause like my, I, I do a cyclical approach of keto while I'm working on my guts to help stimulate that autophagy, but my sleep takes a hit. And so I don't do it too long because then the numerous nights of poor sleep back to back actually kind of work against any benefits that keto could provide. So it's important to take that into context because let's say a lot of detoxification has to be done. Like a lot happens in your sleep. If the liver is struggling, you're going to wake up quite a bit because you don't have the necessary substrate in the form of like glycogen in the, within the liver to perform its job. So then you wake up because you need cortisol, right? So it's important to pay attention to that kind of stuff when following like a keto or a carnivore diet or any low carb form of eating, um, because carbohydrates can actually drastically improve your sleep. But as mentioned, they can create blood sugar swings, which can stimulate lots of hunger and binge eating and whatnot. So this is another place where things like keto and carnivore have the potential for limiting those things. Um, but speaking from experience within context, because when I follow keto and other clients, um, in certain scenarios, it actually makes it like their cravings are worse, but that is like a transition effect. And which I'll, which I'll also comment to like a lot of people have heard of like the keto flu, for example. Um, I personally have been able to avoid that when using keto for longer periods of time to which one should experience the keto flu. Um, I've had clients be able to prevent that as well. Uh, we use like lots of water, lots of electrolytes, lots of salt, and a good amount of glutamine. And that's how myself personally and clients have been able to avoid experiencing our keto flu. Cause, um, I have experienced it before, uh, because not doing things properly, it's not a good time. Like you have, it's like, you feel like you actually have the flu, right? And you're just lethargic. Your brain isn't working. You feel awful. You're grumpy. You're irritable. Um, but you get over that and then like, you know, you, that's where you begin to really reap the benefits of a longer duration of keto and carnivore. Cause you're going to kind of get the same effects. Um, I haven't really heard a lot of people within the carnivore realm mention something about a keto flu, but, um, keto itself obviously uh, is very famous for that. Um, uh, so that brings us to intermittent fasting. So Intermittent fasting is probably my least favorite of these three diets. Uh, but once again, it most likely has merit to some individuals. Um, but the reality is, is like lots of research has shown that you will get the exact same benefits simply just following a caloric deficit. And where the intermittent fasting really promotes health benefits is because you are simply just eating less calories in a day. So if you start eating in the morning, that's just more time for you to get calories in. So by waiting X amount of time prior to eating, that's just less of a window to go over your maintenance calories, which puts you in a caloric deficit. Um, so that's where you can get the benefits there. You can get the, uh, I think it's like, you know, people wait 16 hours on average, some will do 18 to 20. But that time away from eating um, helps, does help the digestive, or it can help the digestive system. 
um, because you're giving it a break, right? Digestion is stressful. A lot of people are, you know, I don't think they think about that aspect. Digestion can be very stressful. Um, it takes a lot of work to digest food, especially certain styles of diets like high protein or whatnot. Um, that in return can create inflammation and lethargy and certain symptoms. So you kind of give that digestion a break, but here is the catch with that. If you're someone who has high levels of cortisol because you're very stressed out or some underlying thing is occurring, creating a high stress response, cortisol can eat away at the stomach lining. So it actually kind of works against you and you'll actually hear it quite a bit. I've experienced myself personally. I was just on a call the other day with um, parents of this little girl that when she goes too long without eating, she gets really bloated and her stomach hurts. And that's due to a damaged mucosa integrity and the higher levels of cortisol are feeding into that. Because the thing is, is like, you don't want to be performing physically demanding activities while in a fasted state, because then everything has to work that much harder to provide benefits. And there is tons of research out there. I'm sorry, but there is no argument here. There's no benefits to performing physical activities on a fasted state. You do not burn more fat. You There's only cons to it. Uh, and many, many smart minds can uh, and can prove that. Uh, plus, just personal experiences. Like I, I try to do fasted things, like even just cleaning the house or even recording podcasts or researching or, or, or you know, courses or whatever. My blood sugar drops, I get super bloated, I feel like crab, and then I have swings all day and I got cravings. And so like for me personally, intermittent fasting is just not a very, very good approach. It's just not applicable for me. Um, and also too, I think one of the reasons why I don't like it is because people swear by it, um, that it supposedly has all these benefits, but research has shown like there was a recent uh, study done where it actually increased blood pressure uh, in, in quite a handful of individuals, but hey, once again, there could be quite a handful of individuals where it decreased blood pressure. Um, so there's so many like variables at play to which could make something be effective or non-effective. But I personally don't really think anyone needs to perform intermittent fasting unless it helps them adhere to a caloric deficit if that caloric deficit is what is required to achieve whatever goals they may be looking for, uh, whether that be health and wellness or physique, for example. Um, because, you know, like I said, we tend to use these diets because we're trying to improve our physique and how do we improve our physique, um, is a form of a caloric deficit. So, so that's where intermittent fasting can be valuable to that type of individual. But as for like trumping any other diet protocol or situation, it, it just doesn't, um, it just doesn't do that. Um, I've seen it in practice and the research is there, um, but lots of intermittent fasting people will probably argue with me. But the thing is, is like you, like a caloric deficit in itself, never mind physique, can bring a lot of health benefits, improve mitochondrial function. Um, it can decrease inflammation. It can improve digestion because you're simply eating less food. Like, so there's tons of, of, of um, you know, positive benefits to caloric deficits. And once again, if intermittent fasting is what you need to achieve that caloric deficit, then that is awesome. But highly recommend not exercising while in a fasted state, um, and, um, you know, low physical demand, try not to, uh, fill your mornings, your, your, your non-eating window with things like caffeine and stuff, because caffeine can promote higher levels of cortisol, uh, which as mentioned can, uh, start to mess up gut health, 
many other things as well. High levels of chronic cortisol, or it becomes pro-inflammatory, <clears throat> uh, affects all the systems, nutrient depleting response. Um, you know, every health complication you could ever think of is due to stress. Uh, but what's causing that stress is what it actually is. But so I recommend not doing things like caffeine and stuff. That's where like glutamine, glutamine during that fasting window can be really great for not only a satiating effect, but managing, you know, balancing blood sugar levels a little better. Um, and also keeping cortisol levels lower because there has been studies that show that intermittent fasting does decrease insulin, uh, amount of insulin improves insulin sensitivity. But once again, that's most likely just due to the aspect, the simplification of being in a caloric deficit, because when they compared the two, compared just a normal eating four to five times a day without a, you know, intermittent fasting window versus intermittent fasting, the results are practically the same. Um, so it kind of just boils down to context, but more of a preference uh, of it or um, sorry, stimulating adherence. Um, because yeah, if that's what helps people adhere to caloric deficits, then, you know, all the power to you. And then I think it may be a very viable diet for you, but if you're someone who's physically active in the morning or a really stressful job or something that I wouldn't necessarily recommend intermittent fasting, but quite a few people don't like eating breakfast. Um, I personally, like I have an appetite, but I don't like eating breakfast because of time because <laughs> the morning I'm extremely productive and I don't want to stop what I'm doing to go make food and eat food. Um, so like, you know, maybe that's why I would intermittent fast, but I personally need it because if I don't stop to eat that food and after I do my work and take my girls for a walk, I tend to have blood sugar crashes. Uh, and then I end up, you know, wanting to binge eat or my mood takes a hit and I justify it by eating crap. And so intermittent fasting is just not something that's viable for me at all. And, uh, I've used it in the past with clients and I've saw no significant benefits over any other sort of protocol. Um, but once again, if it helps you adhere, then maybe that is the right diet for you. So a quick recap, keto, wonderful for decreasing inflammation, uh, wonderful for improving, um, you know, cell membrane health due to the higher fat intake, improving cognitive performance. Um, so let's say you have like a really, you know, big, big brain day where you really need that to function at its best. And maybe keto would be awesome that day. Um, but if you have a day where you're getting into heavy workout or something like that, then I don't recommend performing keto. Um, and like certain things around keto, like I said, lots of water, lots of electrolyte, lots of salt and glutamine can really help as well to negate any of those, uh, potential side effects that can come from trying to transition into keto. Um, but like a, a trick that you could use is let's say, let's say you are doing a cyclical approach with carbohydrates. Uh, let's say Monday to Friday is keto and then Saturday, Sunday is carbs. So like Monday. And Wednesday, you could do a powerlifting style workout, as mentioned, like one to three reps, uh, long rest periods, so that boring stuff of just sitting around, but that's what it takes. And then on Saturday, Sunday, when you're ingesting more carbohydrates, that is where you can do a more metabolically demanding workout. So you can do like supersets, drop sets, uh, shorter rest periods, things like that to increase that uh, uh, glucose uptake. Uh, one thing I would recommend too, uh, once again, though, always seek professional advice. Don't just do this willy nilly but thyroid support, whether that be glandular or specific thyroid nutrients. But in this case, I would highly recommend glandular because as mentioned, thyroid can take a hit while on keto. Um, also too, if like you're under a very high toxic burden, for example, um, your liver needs a lot of glycogen. And so if you're under a high toxic burden, I don't necessarily recommend keto. Um, so I would take care of that toxic burden first by decreasing the toxic load and helping the body eliminate these toxins using glucose 
and then you could maybe use something like a keto diet. Uh, carnivore, same rules apply as I would say keto. Uh, someone who has like an autoimmune disease, cancer, stuff like that, it could be a very, very valuable um, diet protocol, whichever you want to call it. Um, but make sure to get quality sources of meat um, to avoid high toxin load. Um, probably wouldn't hurt to supplement some fiber. I guess that kind of goes against what carnivore is though. But once again, professional advice, professional help to guide you through this because you might need that fiber. Um, and then like to, you might want to look at some digestive support in the form of pancreatic enzymes or like hydrochloric acid, stomach acid with pepsin to, uh, you know, improve your digestive capacity when dealing with those high loads of meat while following a carnivore diet. And then when we're talking keto diet, you might want to look at like ox bile. Um, so like if your stools are floating or oily that, or like clay colored, that is where ox bile could really benefit you to really help with that higher loads of, uh, higher loads of fat. Um, see professional advice, <laughs> I'm gonna cover my butt and all these. Uh, and then intermittent fasting, like I said, I feel truly the only place that it is applicable is if someone really struggles to adhere to a caloric deficit, if they're eating meals throughout the day and they find that mentally, this is the best way for them to commit to this caloric deficit, then I, okay, intermittent fasting is probably a, a good diet for you, um, to help you achieve those results and, you know, get the benefits from running a caloric deficit. Um, but as mentioned, you don't really want to be performing high demands of physical activity or under high loads of stress while or during those fasting windows. Um, and once again, too, like glutamine and water and everything, uh, maybe avoid coffee during the fasting windows. Uh, people will use the caffeine because they're low in energy, which is kind of showing that the body is struggling to provide that energy without the digestion, which could be a gut health thing. It could be a mitochondrial thing. It could be a liver thing. There's a few things involved. But over time, our adherence to a caloric deficit could help improve upon that because a caloric deficit will also help the body shift its metabolism, uh, improve that metabolic flexibility, meaning it'll be better at going from using glucose as a fuel source to using fat as a fuel source, as well as that is what keto and carnivore will do also. So this is where you can see there are many uh, scenarios where you could utilize these diets to really promote health, wellness, uh, disease prevention, disease management, and even physique. Uh, it's just, I would never personally follow them long-term all the time <laughs> because as mentioned previously, there are side effects to these things following them long-term the body adapts to everything. Just like you probably shouldn't follow, you know, the same style of eating for the rest of your life, even though it's like quote unquote, super healthy to be eating fruits and vegetables and everything, you might want to take a break from them, right? Am I saying you have to, by no means, but there might be some situations where, yeah, you want to take a break, implement some keto, implement some carnivore, whichever you prefer kind of thing. Um, I will say in my personal experience, keto was the best for me and out of all these three, because one, I mean, it was kind of delicious. Like, like my breakfast, for example, was like eggs and, and cheese and everything, which is really nice. Eggs, cheese, and butter. Um, they're smaller meals, so they're really quick to eat because like when I eat carbohydrates, I need a lot of carbohydrates. So I'm eating like 80 to 100 grams of carbs per meal. So that's like 300 plus grams of rice in a big bowl. And you're just like, Oh, you're just sitting there and eating and eating and so annoying. <laughs> so that's where keto is like super, super beneficial, not to mention the satiating effect for most people. So you're not hungry all the time. 
Um, but there is another handful of people that are starving on keto, <laughs> but that could be just physical demands, uh, whether that be something internally or externally. Um, but so I, I liked keto for that. Um, plus that initial response of the reduction of inflammation has you feeling pretty good. So for example, like when I'm pushing through gut health right now, um, I tend to get like sore knuckles. It's like, okay, that's my sign. Now I need to back off, drop the killers, drop the carbs, run keto. And then within two days, all soreness is gone. Cognitive performance has significantly increased and just overall feeling better. Um, but as mentioned, my sleep takes a hit, so I can't do it for too long. So I only do two, I do two, I either do three days of carbs, two days of keto, or I try to do five days of carbs and two days of keto. But when I'm in these protocols, I use a cyclical approach. But as soon as like I'm out of these protocols, I usually don't do keto for long periods of time or fasting, um, because I'm trying to like either build muscle or I'm just being really active and my body requires that. Um, so yeah. And then with the intermittent fasting, once again, just for calorie adherence, um, is what I would recommend it for. Uh, so, you know, you can make your own decisions of what works best for people. But <laughs> at the end of the day, if you are seeing, <laughs> excuse me, if you are seeing an improvement in health markers and overall well-being and mood, cognitive performance, then yeah, I mean, all the power to that individual and to that diet. Um, but I still recommend a cyclical approach. Um, but yeah, if you have any more questions on those diets or whatnot, because you know, they're, it's a very complex topic. There's a lot to be said, but go ahead, shoot me a DM, um, reach out to me. I don't know, no problem providing some more information as well as I'm probably gonna start making some more like YouTube videos, examples of keto diets, like how you would, uh, construct one, uh, and carnivore and so on and so forth to get the most out of those diets. Okay. Um, but hopefully y'all enjoyed that uh, and take care everybody. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,